1: This is Along the Way. I'm Tom Muller. Life doesn't always work out the way we anticipate. I did not expect to wait until my late 40s to find a wife, and I did not expect to lose her. Those are the words written by Josh Taylor in the introduction to his book, Answered Prayers. I talked with him about his story of God's guiding hand right after this poem of death to life From Jeff Hildebrandt and his view from the pew.
0: As he rode up to the dusty town past the graveyard on the hill, he could sense a showdown coming, though it all seemed very still. Then the word of his arrival spread. Folks knew his reputation, and crowds began to gather with great anticipation. When he rode across the valley, townsfolk spread out on the road to see the man they'd heard about— Their excitement overflowed. They smiled and waved with gratitude as he rode up to the gate. Most didn't know there was a plot that soon would change their fate. It was just a few days later. He was ambushed in the night. He was beaten, tried, and crucified without much of a fight. But today we all can celebrate his last ride into town. Because we know what happened next, they could not keep him down. And Jesus Christ is coming back on a horse as white as snow to round up all believers. I just pray you're set to go.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Jeff's latest book is Positive Rhymes for Perilous Times. Many of the poems you hear on Along the Way are from that book. Positive Rhymes for Perilous Times by Jeff Hildebrandt, available on Amazon. Josh Taylor is not famous. He's what he calls one of God's everyday people who found love after years of praying for his spouse, but she died just two years to the day after they were married.
2: Let me give a little background. So I grew up in Nebraska, southwest Nebraska, very rural area, uh-huh. kind of a Huck Finn existence. And after college, I landed in Sacramento, and I started an insurance business. And one of the things they gave us was a workbook for setting goals. And it was not only business goals, but personal goals. And I was going on 27. It was April of 1987. And I'd never really been serious about relationships and getting married. And I thought, man, I I need to grow up. I need to get serious about this. So one of my goals was to meet a woman and get married. And I made that part of my prayer. Well, in 92, I moved back to Denver, or to be closer to home, I moved to Denver and um, kept the prayers up, but the years kept ticking by. And in Denver, there's lots of singles events. And I attended a lot of them, went with friends, and yet I just never met anybody. Mm -hmm. And I always, in hindsight, had a hard time connecting with women. And um, I'm an introvert by nature. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, I mean very, very rural western Nebraska, mm-hmm. and uh, really didn't have good social skills, and so the years ticked by, and then uh, me and a buddy were scheduled to go to a singles event at the Denver Athletic Club. I walk into the Denver Athletic Club, scan the group, and sometimes when he we went to these singles groups, the crowds weren't too encouraging. Mm -hmm. And that's what I thought I saw. Uh And so I turned around to leave, and it was like somebody stopped me and turned me on my heels and pushed me back through the door. Uh And so I stood there, and I looked at the buffet, and I thought, well, I like food. Go load my plate. (laughs) And um, I did so, found a table and sat down. And the table wasn't too interesting. A few people got up to leave, and then these two girls came and sat down at the table from another table. And they just said, we, we just want to mix it up. And the girl that sat next to me was really cute, really nice. Her name was Deborah. Hmm. So that's a little of the background uh, of the story. Okay.
1: And how old were you then?
2: I, when I met Deborah, I was 46 going on 47. And you'd been praying for a wife for how long? Remember, this started in April of two, or April of 1987, uh-huh. and this is April of 2007. Uh-huh. And she was it. Yeah. So we started dating. Uh Um, She gave me her number and she said, call me. That hardly ever happened Uh in my life, uh, in my my experience with women. And um, so Sunday, I called her and she didn't answer and I thought, "Ah, don't leave a voicemail. I won't Mm -hmm. get a call back. Mm -hmm. Well, I I did leave a voice message and 10 minutes later, she called me back. Mm -hmm. And that started the dating process. And a year and a half later, we were engaged and asked for Deborah's hand in marriage, and um, we hatched a plan and eloped on August 28, 2008. Uh-huh. So there I was, uh-huh. married for the first time at age 48. I was married. I inherited two stepkids and a step-grandbaby, mm-hmm. so I called that the trifecta. <laughs> when I lived in Denver, I used to always watch the church channels. And there's a particular local preacher here that I really didn't care for. Mm-hmm. Slick back hair, very expensive suits. But I was always watch him now and then see kind of what odd things he was talking about. Yeah. So this one night, I clicked on the channel, and there he was. And the only hurt words I heard were, were, if you're having a problem in life, if you're struggling with something in life, get professional help. Mm-hmm. And I clicked off the TV, and I talked to my Bible study teacher, and I said, hey, I need a counselor. And I started going through counseling. Uh-huh. And I think that was a start of the learning process that God put me through to prepare me to, for Deborah mm-hmm. and then what was to come after Deborah.
1: So the first lesson there is even if it was somebody that you don't necessarily have good vibes with, they can speak something that you really need to hear. That Isn't is that true, right? Tom. Yeah. Pete,
2: God can speak through anybody. Yeah, that's right. And um, boy, did he speak through that guy.
1: Uh-huh. You were married late in life. You were right. asking for a bride for 20 years? 20 years. I guess there's another lesson there, too. You know, God will, uh, when we're making moves out the door, God turns us back to come back in the door and says, hey, you know, let, let me point something out to you.
2: We got back from our honeymoon, and the financial collapse of 2008 had just started taking place. Mm-hmm. We were working on building a new home. We had her condo, my house. We had to give up the new home. Um, She was upside down on her condo, so we couldn't sell it. And so we were – not only did we lose the house, and Deborah was devastated by that, but we were all of a sudden in a world of hurt with two mortgages. I'd taken out a business loan to expand my business. The economy was collapsing. And then to top that off, about five weeks after our honeymoon, we had a big blow up one Sunday after church. I triggered it, mm-hmm. but her, her explosiveness and the, and the intensity of it and the, the manner of it really shocked me and scared me. Uh-huh. And we'd been going through counseling before marriage, and we had a counseling session that next week. And I emailed my counselor and I said, Hey, something happened here. Um, I need you to keep your senses up, but I think, you know, if it's bipolar or something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to counseling, and um, Deborah is already there. And she was then seeing our counselor, Kenna. And then Kenna came out and said, Deborah needs some time with me. And then they invited me in, and I thought I was going to get throttled uh-huh. because of my fault. Uh-huh. But there, Deborah confessed to being suffering from de- severe depression and suicide m- most of her life.
1: And you didn't know that. I until didn't. That nobody point. knew that. Wow.
2: Nobody knew that. Wow. Not her kids, not her parents, not her any friends. Mm. And Kenna was the first person she ever felt comfortable telling that to. Yeah. Well that started two years of struggle with medication and not only the mental health issues, but more and more other health issues. Mm-hmm. So there's just a cascade of illnesses that started taking place. And it became very stressful. And I I was starting to be affected by sure. her illnesses. Sure. And um, by the summer, by July of of nineteen 19- or t- July 2010, I was ready to pull the plug for divorce. I-, I was on the verge of c- c- cracking. Mm-hmm. And I had one last session with Kenna uh, shortly before my birthday in July and before we were going on a trip to California. And I said, you know, I, I don't know why I'm going to stay in this relationship. Give me a reason. And she said, it sounds like you decided. I was like, okay, well, I'm going through. Mm-hmm. The next day, I'm driving home from work, and God got a hold of me in a massive way. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that before. It's like, you know, he sucker punched me upside the head. Uh-huh. And God controlled me and says, you know, stop. And I recommitted, and I, I told God, I, I'm in 100%. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be tough, mm-hmm. but I said, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And another third lesson. Yeah, another lesson, oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's so important for our
1: audience to know um, – that there, is, there are redemptive lessons through horrible, horrible trauma experiences. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah.
2: so. And it takes some time afterwards to recognize all those lessons. Sure. So sure. It's, you know, it's 12 years later, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning, mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Yeah. But one of the first lessons I'd say is that, that I learned immediately is God answers prayers in his way and in his time. Mm-hmm. I had been praying constantly for Deborah's healing. Physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, spiritual healing. She had problems in all four areas. And he answered my prayer, but he didn't answer it in the way I expected. Uh He answered my prayer by taking her to heaven and healing her instantly. Mm -hmm. That's not what my prayer was. My prayer was for healing, but Mm -hmm. not not that healing. But he answered Deborah's prayer exactly as she wanted. Deborah wrote prayer journals, and I'd see them around once in a while we were married, and then they'd disappear. After Shortly after she died, I found some of them, and it was eye-opening. And you could read in her journals her struggles and her pleading with God to take her home, that the difficulty of life was just too much for her. So he answered my prayers, not how I expected, but he answered her prayers exactly mm-hmm. how she asked. Mm-hmm. So that was one big life lesson. second life lesson is... Um, you know, a lot of times when people lose a loved one, they, you know, they ask why. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why. God, why did this have to happen? Why did um, so-and-so die? And I can tell you that two days after Deborah's death, I had the answers by reading her prayer journal. I knew. Mm-hmm. it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. The pain is still there, the loss is still there, all the grief that you go through is the same whether you have the answer or whether you don't have the answer. And the majority of people don't have the answer. And my my answer, my comment to them is, you'll have the answer someday. Mm-hmm. But even if you have the answer today, the pain will be the same. Mm. You've got to go through the healing process. That's just part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked my counselor, Rick, who I was going to, a year or two after Deborah died, why it hurts so much. And he said, well, he said— you know, when, when you have a, such an intense relationship in such a short period of time, and our, our relationship was intensely good when it was good, but when it was bad, it was intensely bad. Mm. So bad I, I almost cracked myself. But he said, when it's that intense, the loss is that intense. So there's a correlation to the intensity of your relationship and the intensity of the grief mm. after that relationship ends. Yeah. And it's interesting. I got a buddy I ushered with the church when I lived here in town, he had lost his wife a few years earlier. And one Sunday he said, hey, he said, look, he said, it could take five years to recover from this. Mm-hmm. And within a week, another lady I knew that used to be in my office building, she saw me at a grocery store and said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was in the throes of deep pain, and I mm-hmm. thought, how could this go for five years? Yeah. I'll never survive. Uh-huh. But you do survive. And did it go for five years? The worst of it went about five years, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and after that, there were different types of struggles. Sure. And so it, it's, um. And it's you're a, talking 12 years now. 12 years now. And still? Uh, not so, uh, kind of. Uh-huh. I mean, there are things I struggle with, and some may be fallout from Deborah's death, uh-huh. and some just be, maybe my own quirks. Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah. it's, it, I write in the book that. A loss like this is like a hurricane hitting landfall Mm -hmm. you know it wipes the landscape clean yeah and then you rebuild but things aren't the same Mm -hmm. and when you lose a loved one like this um, you you heal and recover but you're different Mm -hmm. and and that's all i can say about it is it's just different Mm. yeah but with that i mean another life lesson is is that um, I, I was thinking of is that, that God has your back, even when you can't see that he has your back. Mm-hmm. And so when you're struggling through these things, and it, it doesn't have to be the loss of a spouse, it could be business, it could be any number of things, um, it may take you some time after that event or struggle you're going through to realize that God was carrying you through that. Mm. And I, in hindsight, I can see that. That God had me. I mean, I when Deborah died with the financial collapse and everything going on, I was in a huge financial hole. Mm. Um, we ended up selling her condo, but we had to bring cash to the table because she was upside down on it. So I had to take out loans on that. I had the business loan. We had the mortgage. She had debts I wasn't aware of. And I sat in there going, it'll take me five years to pay this off, let alone trying to keep the mortgage up. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. And in eighteen months, I had those debts besides the mortgage outside the mortgage. I had those debts were paid off, oh. and I think I could go back and figure out how that happened. But I remember when it happened, I'm like, "Wow, thank you, Lord."
1: How did that happen? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's right. I that just had it, it happened.
2: Y- that's right. You're, and, you're reduced
1: to saying, "I." i can 't tell you how it happened, but thank you yeah, Lord
2: yeah right and you know after deborah 's death, I, I struggled with depression, mm-hmm. um, there were just black days, mental fogs i couldn 't process well my God kept my business together. I lost some key clients that had nothing to do with deborah 's death or any of that, but he kept kept my business together when I was very when I was marginally functional. Mm-hmm. And when you a small business owner and everything kind of rides on your shoulders, um, you know, that's critical that you should be able to function well, and yeah. when you can't, uh-huh. then God's got to carry you. And that's what he did. Yeah. He carried me through those times. Um, another life lesson, when you're thinking of making a big decision, and this goes back to my decision about divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, a process, I would say, is first off, stop. Stop before you make the decision. Pray. Um, think it through. Pray some more. Get some wise counsel, mm-hmm. whoever that might be. Pray some more. Do some Bible study. Mm-hmm. Pray some more. Wait some more. Pray some more, and then act. And that sounds like a long process, but it really could be a day, or it could be an hour, mm-hmm. but go through a process before you make those major decisions and make sure you're aligned with God's will
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. as best as you can understand it. Um, you know, God stopped me. For me, it wasn't that process. God had to intervene because I was on the verge of making a dumb decision. Mm-hmm. So God had to step into that process to stop me.
1: And he does that too. (laughs) He does. He does. (laughs) Praise the Lord. He does. Yes,
2: he does. Uh And uh, yeah, and that's not not the first time. Uh And um, anyway, uh, you know, he stopped me because he had a plan. Mm -hmm. And 30 days later, that plan was culminated. Mm -hmm. And so if I'd have divorced, I I often thought about this if I'd have filed for divorce and 30 days later Deborah died while we're going through the divorce process, what would that look like? In my Denver office, I have a psychiatrist, and she's a Christian, and we've talked about this story. And And to me, mental illness is one of the most pernicious effects of the fall of man, and because um, – and, and the psychiatrists would agree, there's, a, I believe, a satanic element in mental illness. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's biological um, things going on. Um, But she would agree that many mental illness issues have a spiritual background to them. Mm -hmm. And so the thing I'd say to people is um, at one point in my life, I was very judgmental about people with mental illness, which is really dumb because my grandma suffered from severe mental illness to the degree that in the 1930s, my grandpa drove her from the farm in Nebraska to New York City for shock treatments, and they stayed part of a year in New York City to go through through those treatments, and I knew that. Hmm. And, um, you know, what I'd say is um, you don't always understand what's going on with people, and when people react in ways that are not normal, instead of judging them, try to think of what, what could be going on with them. And if you're close to that person, maybe you have prayer time or talk time with them, But I'd also encourage people to learn about mental illness. And it's just not mental illness, but being in business and in sales, you know, you have to read a lot of books on psychology, which are sales books. Sure. Um, But just my counselor, Rick, gave me a lot of books to read dealing with Deborah, And I learned a lot. And I figured out what Deborah's issue was. She was originally diagnosed as bipolar, but she wasn't bipolar. But through reading, I started to understand what other people suffered from. And then I found what she suffered from. And when you understand the struggles people, what could be, they could be going through, it gives you a different perspective on how to interact with them and love them versus judge them.
3: Yeah.
1: And, and that also goes for when you don't understand because you don't know what you don't understand. Exactly. And yeah. that's, I believe, the basis of God saying, judge not lest ye be judged yeah. um, because there are often things. I mean, it's great that through your study you came to some conclusions as to what she went through and you understood her uh, better and so therefore you were less judgmental. But there are those people we don't have a clue what's uh, in the background. It's kind of like a computer with something running in the background that you don't even yeah. know is there.
2: Final thing I'd say is, and this is for any younger people listening, you know, the high school kids, I don't know if you have a high school audience for your program or not, Probably or college. Not, but, but we <laughs> Maybe do. parents have, can relate to well, this. That's <laughs> right.
1: We do have parents and grandparents, grandparents. in the audience. So, yeah.
2: What I would say is um, I would encourage young people to get married sooner than later. Mm. Um, I, I've thought about this a lot. It, it, you have – I mean, you and your wife are married young. Mm-hmm. You've been married – Many, many years. Fifty six. Fifty six years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I if I was if I was to get married today and was married fifty six years, I'd be 138, <laughs> hundred and thirty thirty eight, I think. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I think when you get married young, you have a chance to grow up together. Mm-hmm. Deborah and I didn't have that chance. I'd never been married. I was had a lot of my selfish self-interest in the ways I did things. Mm-hmm. She hadn't been married for 17 years, so she had the way she did things, and it was a it was a head-on collision. Yeah. And it was very difficult. I mean, if it what take out all the mental illness issues, her health issues, just our our tendencies as being single for so long would have been alone difficult. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I'd encourage people to get, you know, be serious sooner than later. I waited. I shouldn't say I waited. Um, You had to wait. uh, Well, um, it's how life was. Mm -hmm. It's just how life was. But in hindsight, I could have been more serious and more intentional at some point in life. And that's what I'd encourage younger people to think about is – Think about getting married younger, sooner, so you can grow up together. Um, You know, or at one point, Tom, you asked me, you know, talk about how you grew in your relationship together. There wasn't time to grow. Yeah, there just wasn't time. Yeah. Things went out of the gate bad and intense, and there wasn't a lot of time to grow.
1: But it was something that you would not give up, I have a feeling. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I've. I've talked to people with various situations, and I had uh, a shared situation with somebody, and I went to him for advice, and the same, the same advice uh, was, you know, I would never want to go through this again, but I will never give want to give up what God has done in me with this experience, and therefore my recommendation to you, Tom, is, you know, uh, right. Um, yeah. learn from it and and so you can say pretty much the same thing
2: yeah and it's interesting you know god talks through people and right after deborah's death i was talking with my bible study teacher because i wanted him to do the service he couldn't but i wanted him to and he he i had he was one of the few people i went to to get help because mm-hmm. i had some confidential people i needed to get feedback from what was going on and after she died he said you know you need to write this down. People need to know this story. Mm-hmm. And he, I go, no, I, I've got it up here, and he goes, no, no, no. He said, you need to write this yeah. story down. People need to know your story. Mm-hmm. And so, that's what I did. It wasn't my idea to write the book. Uh-huh. I think God was speaking through Dix to tell me to write the write the book.
1: And that that was what I wanted to uh, to close with. I wanted to refer to the book. It's answered prayers, the story of God's guiding hand, where you present uh, a lot of these lessons that you learned and growth that you learned, and and I was very very impressed with the growth that you went through. And for people in the Denver area, you have a lot of local color here. Yeah, yeah. I mean you you are very specific about. Locations we're
2: all very aware with, and churches yeah. well, we're very aware with. I lived here 28 years, yeah. So I, you know, I was here a long time.
1: So and, how can how can a person get a hold of a- answered prayers by Josh Taylor?
2: Well, then go to my website, which is joshuataylor.net. So it's my official name, joshuataylor.net. Uh-huh. and you can go there and there's a link to my Amazon page mm-hmm. to buy the book, okay. and you can also go directly to Amazon. There are a number of Answered Prayers book books on Amazon, mm-hmm. so you need to make sure you put my name in with it, Answered Prayers by Josh Taylor, and it'll pop up. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm four hours from Denver, but I'm in Denver often, so if somebody needed a speaker for an event, I can do that. I'm speaking this Saturday to a men's group back mm-hmm. in my area, Nebraska. Uh-huh. So uh, that's available as well.
1: Well, I'm so glad that uh, that we were able to snag you in studio here <laughs> in transit between Denver and Nebraska. Uh, as I told you, I'm an old farm kid myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh But it's good to, to have you here. Uh, the book is Answered Prayers, A Story of God's
2: Guiding Hand from Josh Taylor. And...
1: Uh, Thank you,
2: Josh, for coming Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate uh, the invite. That means a lot. Thanks for joining us along the way today. And join me
1: weekday mornings from 6 to 10 a.m. on 94.7 FM, The Word, as I introduce the teaching features along with the traffic and the weather. Then, back here on weekends on Along the Way. I'll talk to you then.